0: And welcome to the Oyster Stew podcast. I'm Libby Hall, Director of Communications for Oyster Consulting. Digital tools have evolved, making access to information and the ability to transact far easier than ever before for the average investor. However, there are risks and challenges around this technology. So what does this mean for your business? In today's podcast, Oyster Consulting's experts explore the evolution of client-focused technology the risk for securities industry businesses, and some of the ways we're seeing firms mitigate them. Let's get started, Ed.
1: Well, thank you, Libby, and hello everyone. I'm Ed Wegner and I am the head of Governance, Risk, and Compliance at Oyster Consulting. Today's podcast is part of a series of podcasts that we've done regarding the digital transformation in the securities industry. And today we want to discuss how this digital transformation impacts how firms interact with their clients. Um, As we'll discuss, the evolution of digital tools has made getting access to information and the ability to transact uh, so much easier, so much uh, more effective, and so much more convenient. And it's, it's sure to revolutionize how financial services firms interact with the cust- with their customers currently and definitely in the future. That being said, there are a number of risks associated with this transformation and regulators have been in the process of assessing those risks and um, providing guidance um, as appropriate. So we wanted to talk about this transformation and what firms that are engaged in this type of activity should be considering. And to help me discuss this evolution, I'm very fortunate to have with me Jeff Wilk. Jeff is uh, one of the leaders of our digital transformation efforts in Oyster's strategic planning and execution practice. Uh, And I also have with me today, Dean Pelos. Uh, Dean's a managing director in governance, risk, and compliance at Oyster. And he has worked with several clients who offer digital applications to their clients and has had to help them navigate some of these tricky regulatory issues. So thanks both of you for joining me today. Um, Jeff, why don't we why don't we start with you, Jeff? Um, so you know, from the business perspective, how have client-facing digital applications evolved?
2: Thanks, Ed. That's a that's an interesting question. I could I could probably talk for an hour on the history of of digital apps and mobile access. But I think if you, if, if you think about it, the whole mobile access, what we now call digital applications, really started in a mainstream way in the financial business back when ATM machines right, first got introduced. I mean, the first time people had the opportunity to interact with their money without an in-person encounter with somebody else was 40 years ago. And that took 15 plus years to reach a point of mass adoption. From there, obviously, we, we you know, we, we transformed mostly into account lookup capabilities before the true, true mobile banking apps started launching in the 2010s. And then the big leap obviously came with the introduction of tremendous transactional capabilities on your existing accounts. And now we're with the tap of a few, you know, buttons, if you will, on a mobile device. You know, an individual can open an account from scratch they can use autofill from their phone to fill in most of the information then they can select from a menu of, of optional answers and then simply authorize full background checks and within minutes a new account is opened and they can invest and of course you know now you know the big trend that we're starting to see is moving towards you know this term called gamification and some apps are are looking to capture the the excitement of, of potential long-term upsides of investing, and then uh, I think finally uh, embedded finance is is a big buzzword being used these days for for a good reason. It's basically the the insertion of investment-based financial-based tools into other applications right at to what I like to call the moment of decision for consumers. So it's really come a long way. Adoption takes a while, but once something catches on, I think the innovation behind it becomes quite accelerated.
1: You talked about the evolution of ATM, sort of the first iteration of this and that 15 years, and it's kind of hard to think back to a time period before ATMs, but you're right. I mean, it did take a fair amount of time for that to be go from being something that was new to something that people were using some of the time, to you know, to a point where that's the way people bank now, and I think if you think about the securities industry, we're somewhere in that evolution. When you talk about digital applications, it's it's probably beyond just you know being a completely new thing. People are starting to use it, firms are starting to offer it, but it you know I wouldn't be surprised if down the future, you know, in the future that that is the way people are interacting. For the most part, with with their securities firms, with their investment advisors, broker dealers, and that's the way business is done in the future. All of that being said, you know, can can you talk about the advantages of for firms of interacting with their clients through digital applications and and how that benefits both the firms and the clients?
2: Sure, sure. And I think the interesting thing is that we talk about digital apps as one big category, but but the reality of it is, you know, within that space. Firms bring different models of their apps to the market and they do different things in different forms really to focus in on different benefits for different target markets. You know, everything from focusing in on the beginning investor, you know, through automated investment approaches that could be triggered off of other financial interactions. Some firms out there with apps that, you know, got to be careful of terminology here. But they'll allow a roundup feature and the roundup of a dollar amount on a consumer transaction uh, for that additional money to be moved over into an investment account. So a different a different flair on automated investment strategies, all of that being triggered again by the use of artificial intelligence, tapping into some of the robot functionalities that are out there, as well as many, many firms seeing the need to stay in a hybrid approach, leverage the mobile apps, but yet still allow the interaction with an advisor, a human advisor throughout the course of, uh, of a client's investments uh, practice. So lot, lots and lots of advantages, capture the consumer at the, at the moment of decision, still tie it in with artificial intelligence and link it into a human advisor to enrich to, uh, the uh, overall experience and uh, the retention of
1: that client. and and you think about the convenience for the customers you know even if it's just you know the ability to view what's in your account and how your account is performing you know you think about people who have you know 401ks it's um you know the way the market's been recently with all of the ups and downs um you know it it almost takes uh, a lot of discipline not to look at your your account and see how it's performing all the time but you just have so much more access And this is coming from somebody who's, you know, an older person, you know, um, sort of closer to retirement than I am at the beginning of my career. And but you think about new customers coming aboard where, you know, their interactions have almost entirely been digital, the way they communicate with each other, the way they access services, um you know it's just becoming the way people interact with each other in general and it's it's just um you know i I think the natural evolution for that to um happen in the financial services industry And, and all of those things are definitely a benefit for the firm's benefit for the clients but they also come with challenges. Um, anytime there there's these kind of changes, challenges, and risks, and and maybe you know throw it to both of you in terms of what are some of the challenges that you see associated with digital apps, both from the business side and also from the regulatory side. Jeff, maybe we'll start with you on that one.
2: Sure, Ed, and I think you you actually touched on probably the from a business perspective the the main uh, the main challenge is is the lack of that human interaction, the lack of interaction with an advisor to help. Well, let's put it this way, to help keep investors invested uh, during volatile times. I mean, you, you said it so well, is that, you know, when the markets are on these high highs and low lows over the past couple of months, it's so easy for an individual just to grab their phone and get out, right? Move to cash and we're in, I hate to call it this, but in the old days, They would have to be interacting with their advisor or at least through a call center who would be actively trained on coaching, educating that investor who's calling in, perhaps in some degree of a panic, to say, stay invested. It's a long term. If you pull out now, here are the different things that history has shown might happen in terms of losing, you know, missing out on the best days by trying to avoid the worst days, things like that. So I think that's perhaps the biggest challenge for the business in the long term how do you foster that connection a retention strategy with an investor who's going strictly digital
1: those are clearly challenges you know from the business side to to consider but also as as we mentioned you know the regulators are looking at this you know in terms of how to apply rules that weren't written for this type of environment and applying those to this environment which can be tricky and difficult for firms to Navigate. And Dean, what do you see as you know some of the major regulatory issues that are associated with this type of interaction?
3: yeah, thanks, Ed. I think you know from from my standpoint, the important thing that that we're looking at here from a risk standpoint with the applications that are out there presently is you know whether or not there are, they're considered games or contests. The gamification that we talked talked about of these digital apps. Are you making it a game? Are you trying to relate your app to perhaps a sports betting app? There, there's been a lot of advertising around sports betting apps that are out there presently. Are you trying to create some sort of mechanics here on the app application itself that will allow people to feel like they're you know like they're betting on the stock market? Like they're betting on uh, taking positions in certain issues and then moving out of those issues. Are you creating that atmosphere on your app where it appears that you're playing a game or you're you're betting in some fashion? Those are c- real concerns for the SEC and for FINRA. Are there visual cues on your apps? Are there chatbots that might be used to attract a client or a potential client. Also, there are risks that are associated with how it could lead to a client opening up their application on their phone and then trading quite frequently, getting enticed into trading a lot more than they're used to, uh, not understanding the risks that are associated with this. The disclosures that a business may want to consider putting on their app to assist a client with how they're going to trade moving forward would be something that i would consider to be very important and have that consideration be something that you know a business put on and be able to effectively warn a client about the risks involved in that? Are there certain things that they can click to hyperlinks that will help them better understand the risks associated with using that particular app? Because again, like Jeff had mentioned earlier, you want to avoid uh, situations where you have market fluctuations that could be affecting how someone thinks, not having the opportunity to sit down and speak with someone, but be able to make just a couple clicks on your app and be able to move out of and uh, move to cash, get out of your positions, and then missing, you know, market movements that may benefit you in the future. These are all things that are, you know, we're all thinking about that I think regulators are struggling with. How do we observe this and control it and make sure that? clients are not being disadvantaged by
1: using these devices. You know, that, that's absolutely, and, and you know, I, when you think about this, a lot of this stuff isn't necessarily new or strictly with respect to digital apps, right? This whole issue about clients not overly speculating or trading like they're gambling you know that goes you, you think back to the days of day traders right where the the concern was unsophisticated people trading like they're like they're gambling and and getting themselves overextended and you know engaging in risky behavior that doesn't necessarily align with their their risk tolerance or, or their sophistication and that's just, you know, enhanced with the ease at which you can do the type of trading um, through these digital apps. And, and that's exacerbated by some of these tools like the gamification, the things that, you know, might make it appear as though you are playing a game as opposed to, you know, taking significant risk by invest- investing in complex products. Um, Complex option strategies, those types of things, or or um, excessively trading in securities, or taking on margin, those things, you know, that, that they're easier through these applications, and you know, people can get overextended. And the SEC issued a request for comment around digital practices, digital engagement practices, and that those are a number of the things that they highlighted. The main concern being, you know, are um, firms encouraging through the use of these applications, investors to trade beyond their risk tolerance, to trade things that they otherwise wouldn't, or that if they were dealing with a person, um, they wouldn't recommend that the investor take these types of risks. So definitely things that um, the regulators are are focused on, and and the other thing that you mentioned that I think is extremely important is just the disclosure piece of this. You know, I, I think that the applications themselves make it easier to deliver those disclosures to customers uh, and do it in a a fairly efficient way. The challenge that you have is if you think about how you typically deal with disclosures on your phone or on your uh, mobile app or, or tablet, You usually get these terms and conditions that you scroll through really quickly, don't read, click the button just so you can move on to the the next screen. And if there's important disclosures in there, the the, the problem is people aren't reading those things. And I think that that's another issue that regulators are struggling with. So it'll be interesting to see what is learned as the SEC and other regulators continue to get more information about this, continue to research the subject. And then as they start providing rulemaking and guidance and, you know, uh, probably enforcement actions resulting from some of these activities. But as a result of that, what are, what do you think that our clients, so firms, broker dealers, investment advisors who are thinking about engaging in these types of applications, what are some of the things that they can do to make sure that they um, are addressing these risks and mitigating them?
3: yeah, I think the the most important thing from my standpoint is how how is this all supervised? What controls do you have in place in order to be able to observe activity that's taking place for an individual client that might be investing quite frequently, almost to the point where they become where they could be identified as a day trader? Are you observing that activity? Are you reaching out to that client and having a a conversation with that client to give them the proper perspective of the activity that's taking place. Have you vetted that client appropriately? Are there things there that you are having them complete where you've supervised the application process in an efficient manner where you've identified that that client is able in, in understanding of the risks involved with that type of app that's being used and the trading that's involved? Have you been able to properly have controls around that? Are you supervising your representatives appropriately? But the conversations that they're having with a client or a potential client that would be getting involved in this app, those are the things that I would be thinking about. And those are the things that I'm making strides with my clients to better understand what their risks are, and running their business that way. So those are hopefully things that anyone who's getting into this would be thinking about.
1: Well, absolutely. And and those are all things that, you know, aren't unique to digital apps. They just become more challenging and are probably something that you have to focus on more carefully when you're interacting with clients using these digital apps and where you don't have as much or any interaction with, you know, with a person. And so having that comprehensive supervisory strategy around how you communicate on the apps. One thing that's important too is, you know, because you're sharing information about the client's account on these apps and it's done through the use of technology, you really should have a means to test the accuracy of that information including the the labels and the data that that you're displaying on those apps um, whether it's account values performance information all that stuff needs to be accurate and you should be testing to make sure that you know that that it is accurate and that the information that you're providing continues to be so those i think are are extremely important things that firms should be considering yeah,
3: Ed, there's a couple things that I think people who are thinking about using apps for their business, whether they be an investment advisor or a broker dealer, things they should be thinking about as well are are who's your clearing agent that's you know that's collecting this information? Have they worked with other businesses that have apps where they're efficient enough in order to understand and accommodate, your business. The other thing that I'm thinking about too that's important here is a lot of people nowadays who use apps for gambling or gamification, let's say, where they're using a gaming app uh, and they're also using a trading app, right? Those are people usually that are a little bit younger than I am, that (laughs) are on perhaps social media a lot more than I am. And the social media and the advertising that takes place on social media, the promotions that take place on social media nowadays are things that are very relevant in our society. You have people that use the apps that are also on social media, and they're also looking at, at advertising on social media for these apps, and they're reading the posts and they're understanding what they can and can't do with these apps. Those are things that have to be controlled as well. You have to be able to supervise that. You have to be able to understand when you're seeing a new post, I've gotta be able to monitor that post and be able to curb what I feel is inappropriate or misleading so that the advertising is 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 efficient when you're trying to promote your business through social media. So those are a couple of things that I've thought about that I think are extremely important as well with this process.
1: Well, that's definitely something to be mindful of, and I know Finra has issued a lot of guidance around, you know, how firms should supervise the marketing that's done, communications that are done via social media, and with these apps, a lot of the marketing that's done are through social media, and that not only is the communications that the firm itself is making. But in some cases, it could be communications by third parties, depending on whether there's the communications are entangled or adopted by the the broker dealer or the investment advisor. So those are definitely things that firms should be considering and make sure that you're aware of the guidance that was provided by FINRA and the SEC with respect to marketing and social media, Um, all things that are really important. And another thing that's kind of um, related to that is looking at the communications that are made and making sure that those communications, whether they're on social media or whether they're on the apps themselves, don't cross the line and become recommendations subject to the the requirements of things like uh, Reg BI. Um, A lot of the firms that offer these types of apps do so under a a business model for self-directed trading. And we'll say that you know because it's self-directed trading, um, we don't have to comply with the requirements of Reg BI, which for the most part is accurate. But depending on the types of communications that you make, you may cross the line from you know providing just information to creating a recommendation, in which case um, those rules would apply and those rules are very extensive. So that's something that you need to consider as well.
3: Yeah, there are applications that are out there right now where you have perhaps a model uh, that where algorithms are looking at market conditions and they're spitting out certain types of models that are on the app, where an individual is looking at their phone and they're seeing, okay, based on market conditions right now, here's a couple of trading models that our algorithms are providing you with that will help you decide whether or not you want to click on that particular trading opportunity or not or you can sit there and weigh whether or not what your risk is associated with it is that a high risk trade is it a low risk trade i'm a i'm a low risk person i don't want to consider situation where market conditions have warranted that i don't trade today but i'm going to take that chance anyway right or that model that i that i'm being presented with is that a recommendation or is that not a recommendation how do you work around that if you're a, if you're a broker dealer and you're providing these these potential trades that could be construed as a recommendation are you properly disclosing that information so that that individual understands that this is strictly my decision it's a self-directed thing on my part or is it something where i being being influenced to get in on this position at this very
1: moment. Well absolutely and I think it all goes back to you know the first thing that we mentioned which is you know make sure that you ensure that you have a a strong supervisory system and that you've assessed all of these potential challenges and risks and that your supervisory system accounts for all of those. So um, definitely something that that people need to be on the lookout for. Well, I think there's more to come in this area. Um, it's definitely continues to involve both in terms of the business side and how regulators are viewing the the risks and challenges that, that are associated with this type of activity. So I'm sure that we'll be back at some point talking about how this has developed Um, in future podcasts, but really appreciate um, you joining us today and really enjoyed the discussion and appreciate you sharing what you know with our clients.
0: Thanks everyone for listening. If you'd like to learn more about our experts and how Oyster can help your firm, visit our website at OysterLLC.com. And if you like what you heard today, follow us on whatever platform you listen to and give us a review. Reviews make it easier for people to find us. Have a great day.